we we could have one where he and I just talk about our our shared love for Christopher Nolan. I can't hear you. What'd yeah. you say? I'm dead. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me, hopefully, my travel advisor, Persona Maliandi. How's it going, Persona? Good, Curtis. Yes, I am your travel advisor. You can reach me 24 by 7. Anytime you get stuck at the airport or if you have a flat tire on the side of the road, Dude, why feel you free to give up, me a why call. Why you got to bring up the flat tire? I'm just saying in general because I know you're about to do a road trip. I think you were making That's a jab. I think you were making a jab. I was not making a, giant... I was not. I, I was or fine. <laughs> or if you lose your luggage, <laughs> call me. I will tell you the nearest place to go to go buy underwear and deodorant. I um <laughs> I yeah, it's funny stories on that. I mean, so for those who don't know, which is pretty much everybody, I completely destroyed. I obliterated a tire last week by driving into a median at 12 30 uh in the morning and um so i think i think persona is making fun of me with the tire thing no um but I, in all honesty i'm more excited about your upcoming trip i am super excited about my upcoming trip uh tomorrow morning at 7 a.m i fly out to texas um to begin my 10-day uh, barbecue road trip across texas i am so excited I'm expecting lots and lots of pictures, and actually, pictures, I don't think pictures there will be will do pictures. Justice. That, I think videos. Yeah, definitely video, <laughs> picture. Um, you know, um, you know, like wish you were here, not um, stuff yeah. like that, and then ratings as well. Yeah. Oh, there, there will be, there will be lots and lots of uh, an overabundance of information. Um, I should throw our, our disclaimer: uh, Persona and I do both work for Druva, but this is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are ours. But our, our, our guest, I think, is chomping at the bit to join us, so I want to bring him in. Our guest today, this is a first for us. Our guest today is an Emmy Award-winning sound editor who's worked on over 65 features and 15 documentaries in her 30-plus career. 33 of his projects were with Academy Award-winning director Steven Soderbergh. He has written extensively on film sound, and his upcoming book on the digital archiving of motion pictures is called Solving the Digital Dilemma, and we'll talk about why it's called that. Welcome to the podcast, Larry Blake. Thanks, gentlemen. Happy to be here. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and uh, I'm honored that you want to hear whatever I have to say. <laughs> well, I, I watched your talk. We've read some of your your book. I feel like you know we've we've been given a uh, like a vision into the you know, into, into your mind. To Larry's mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like the Truman show, except not quite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my interests very much overlap, like your interests overlap my job and my interests overlap your job. Right. Like, cause I'm a, I'm a huge, uh, film and TV fan. We watch way too much, uh, television over here. <laughs> That's and, an understatement. Yeah, it's an understatement. <laughs> and I watch, um, and I have, um, uh, I have a Regal unlimited, uh, thing. So I have been going, you know, since they started, they stopped billing me for a long while, for some reason, I don't know why for like a year, for some reason they stopped billing me, uh, at Regal. And then in April they started billing me again. And I've seen probably, 
I don't know, seven or eight movies in the theater since uh, they turned things back on. Um, and Regal is a movie chain for those who may not have that in there. Oh, yeah. I guess I guess that I guess we do. We are we we are people do listen to us overseas. So yes, Regal is a movie chain, and I pay twenty five bucks a month, and I can go see all the movies that I want. Um, so uh, we, I'm not sure where to start with you, Larry. Um, mm. let, let's first just uh, give us give us an overview. Uh, for for people now we, we've had we've had Jeff Rocklin on who's given us it's interesting so Jeff uh, is in you know the same industry or, or has been in the same industry but he's been much more on the digital side and he uh, I was talking to him about you being on and he was it, he he was a bit surprised I think by what you mentioned in your talk about this, this somewhat insistence on the old way of archiving. Um, so why don't we talk about, so, so first off, before we get to that, give us a, 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 you know, a 10,000 foot level on what it's like to uh, create a motion picture from a, from a content and video and audio perspective. Uh, you know, like how do you, how do you describe making a motion picture in a few minutes? <laughs> Well, and, you know, the thing is, is that for 100 years, and it was almost exactly 100 years, if you were shooting a theatrical motion picture, with some exceptions being 65 millimeter, some being 16 millimeter, but by the by, by, by in the main, you were shooting on 35 millimeter film, and it was a worldwide standard since 1909. That was a very simple thing. And then almost at the strike of the, the change of the centuries, um, the the imaging aspects started to go digital in many ways, including finishing digital, even if you shot on film, although sound had been going that way for previously for uh, 15 to 20 years, but sound having less, um, less uh, demand of just simply the amount of data was an easier ask. Um, now, uh, at, now in 2021, Everything is done with sound digitally, period. There's no, there's really no, no and if or buts. There's probably around 40 features a year that are shot on film. Um, Still shot on the film. Rest of, yeah, but I would say 99.9% .9 of them finish digitally. That is to say they'll scan the negative in these days at, at 4k re resolution mm -hmm. and then they will finish the image digitally so that much is it's interesting that they still choose to shoot analog but then they convert to digital before they publish if you will well it's it's some people think that 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 film has a certain look mm. that can only be had by shooting on the uh, hmm. quote uh, organic film, but uh, one of the great cinematographers of the modern era, gentleman Roger Deakins, who in the past really I think like eight years has been a strong uh, convert to digital cinematography, uh, famously said when asked in an interview, "How do you make digital uh, look like film?" And he said, "Seriously, but." with a sarcastic wink, well, you just defocus it a bit and add, a, and add some, and, and add some grain. It's just not, I, you know, that's a whole separate issue that I try to stay out of 
for the most part in my right. book. And I think I do because that's a, a subjective thing. But when it comes to finishing, once you hit, once everything is digital, that's where I start to uh, become, a, my, my point of view is is zero sum. In other words, you if you, you're finishing digitally, your master is a set of files on various servers, mm-hmm. and therefore that should be what you preserve. So going back to your your statement of, of the history with respect to the title of my book, Solving the Digital Dilemma, in 2007, the Motion Picture Academy published a paper uh, which was called The Digital Dilemma. And in it, they basically repeated received wisdom and they sort of invented a few logical fallacies. It's pretty astonishing that as of uh, 2007, there were still logical fallacies yet to be found, but they found them. Um, and they basically said the only way to archive a movie is on film, that digital archiving doesn't work. Now, let me stop and speak parenthetically yeah. here. I've been, I've been mixing to files the sound of my movies since 1998. And if I reach over there, I could show you the DLT3 XT tape that 1998, I, re- I have the master stems of Steven Soderbergh's movie Out of Sight, which we mixed in June of, of uh, 98. And I can still restore that tape. I mean, I'm a little crazy. Let it be known. I've got a Noah's Ark. I've got two Mac 9600s. I've got two DLT3 XT machines. And each of them has Mezzo Archiver software. Be that as it may, uh, it can still be restored. Um, And so that the Academy was saying you cannot archive digitally. And I know, and I did a count. I just look at my... Uh, spreadsheet, and I can see that my company over the years, um, we backed up somewhere north of 1,900 tapes. Now that's nothing in 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 Google land, but when it comes to putting each tape in and backing up this day's work of film sound over uh, 80 or so projects, it's a lot of stuff. And we we never had any failures, and we were not smart enough to to be very careful about checksums. We relied upon the verification that the soft, various software we've used do. And um, we didn't have clean room conditions, et cetera, et cetera. And we were using stuff starting with DLT3 XT through LTO. Now we're on LTO 7. Um, so, you know, when, it, when I read the Academy's paper in 2007, I just said, well, this is a bunch of bullshit. And uh, I've delivered multiple talks at archiving motion picture archiving conferences first in 2008 and then in 2013 at the academy um and then in 2017 the one you're referring to which was at the camera image film festival in poland which is primarily cinematography but um i was able to go there both as a juror and to speak on the subject and um well let me ask you let me ask you let me ask you the question so if if they don't like um, like if the bulk of motion pictures today and television are being created digitally, and it sounds like almost all of them, if not all of them, are being eventually turned into digital images, right? Uh, and, and so Correct. basically, the the vast majority of um, you know, uh, basically, I'm guessing all but one movie by Quentin Tarantino or something. I don't know. <laughs> I can see, I can see right. him. I can see right. him doing something weird, but. Him um, and Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, 
By the way, we could have a whole separate podcast about sound and Christopher Nolan, but that's but oh, that's, don't get me don't, yeah. don't, no, don't, <laughs> no, don't get me going. No, don't go there. Nope, no, no, nope. Okay, Wouldn't be prudent. Okay, would nope. okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. I totally derailed my talk. Okay, if the vast majority of of motion pictures and television is being created digitally, what does the Academy think is the proper way to store that that data, what I think of as data, long-term. They say in that paper that you should spit out the, they don't use the term spit, but that you should ex- export the um, the images to motion, back to motion picture film. I shouldn't say back, it's to motion picture film because you might have right. shot digitally. Right. But that if you export it to motion picture film, classically what's called the uh, black and white separations or YCM separations, which because they're not, they're, there's no color dyes, fading isn't an issue, et cetera, et cetera. And then, uh, and then this, is where, this is where their logic fails. First of all, they do, even they do not propose putting sound Bang, to, before, before you continue, I, I just need, because yeah. re- realize not everybody lives in that world. So what you're saying is, I'm going to take a, a perfectly awesome, done, rendered, ready for the the theater uh, motion picture, and then I'm going to export it into, uh, you're saying YCM, which is yellow. What, what are, what's YCM? Cyan magenta. Yeah. So basically oh, I'm going to no, separate cyan, it magenta. into the three, the three colors. I'm going to create a black right. and white negative of each color. And so I'm going to store essentially right. three films uh, and then where does the audio go uh, on all of them or just, you, well, you, you, you hit, you hit point one, okay. you know, okay. uh, of the ways that you can deflate their arguments, which is, you know, ellipsis dot, dot, dot. And what do you do about sound? Yeah. Uh, and even they say, well, use DVDRs, which is insanity. The, <laughs> the how unreliable they are. Mm. Um, or they mentioned bizarrely enough, LTO4 and the reliability of it is very good, to which brings up the why logical I use it for question. everything? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, what, why not? What, okay, so, you know, would you believe use it for picture too? You know, as Maxwell Smart, that famous archivist would say. Um, it's just ridiculous that you wouldn't use it for, for images also. But then it gets into a, a more specific point is that they, they, they get their, their knickers in a twist when they talk about migration, which in no questions asked today in 2021, as it was in 2007, migration is something of a fact of life with digital archiving. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing we like, but it's just the way it is. However, what you're migrating using checksums and, and, uh, and top of the line equipment it comes back the same way you recorded it. It doesn't, there's, there is literally no difference. Right. Whereas, um, so, you know, if you did something in 2007, maybe you had to do one migration, let's say from LTO three to LTO seven or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but migra- as a separate point, migration can be a good thing for many technical reasons. You can learn what, what we learned about organizing files when you do the migration, but more to the point, is that that migration is very straightforward, and that migration um, is very easy. I mean, it's 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 as the great archivist Yogi Berra said, it's not bragging if you can do it. And uh, and I've done it for tw- for for you know almost a quarter of a century now. And compare and contrast to the idea of film, 
And they never mentioned this. This this is the the 400-pound gorilla with a tutu that's in the middle of the room dancing <laughs> that they don't acknowledge. Says, wait a minute, what's going on here? And that is, wait a minute, you're taking this digital ones and zeros, you're putting it on film, and that is a very costly procedure. It's approximately $60,000 per movie, whether $60,000 per movie, whether it's YCM separations or uh, monopack, a single color negative. And then you wait in some indeterminate, to some point in indeterminate future to then scan that back in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute. So then all the decisions you've made with respect to 2021 colorimetry, uh, the color space, color depth, blah, 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 um, are thrown away and you start again. And then that will be a very expensive thing. They're saying, you know, the commonly repeated phrase, gentlemen, that, that they say is that, well, you know, in a hundred years, you can just shine a flashlight through it. And it's like, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> so just a couple questions, Larry. Do they so, use that voice, Larry? Is that the voice they use when they say it? Not, not quite that dumb, but good. <laughs> so the couple questions, Larry, one is, they need to store these tapes somewhere, right? or sorry, the film somewhere, right? And I'm assuming right. that that's in some vault that's temperature controlled and all and cost, the rest. Yes, yes, okay. exactly. Okay, so then there's that aspect. And then the other thing I know a lot of our listeners may not be as familiar with the need to archive movies. If you could just quickly touch on that. Sure. Um, I, I think it, it's an important distinction that le- we can just sort of invent uh there are like three types of companies. There's like companies that make widgets and they want to archive their their accounting stuff and their emails or whatever, but they make widgets. And then there's companies that make uh, social media and they exist pretty much only as digital files. And they have constantly changing each moment, each day. It's constantly changing and, and morphing. And then you've got movies, which outside of the companies themselves, you make a movie and you can have anywhere from, you know, 30 terabytes to two petabytes of information, depending upon the film speed, whether it's 3D and whether or not you shoot incredible amounts of film. Um, And then also depending upon how much VFX you do. But so let's say most movies shoot a hundred terabytes of material. Well, I'm focusing on the book on the 40 or so terabytes, which comprise the final movie, uh, which comprise the thing that the, the, the files that existed on the server at their highest resolution, and then subsets of those also at the highest resolution. And then the files, which are technically quote compressed and, and as pejorative as that may, may, may seem, uh, if you look at uh, what, what, what Curtis sees in, in a movie theater is called a digital cinema package. And it's, it's a highly compressed image using JPEG 2000 compression, but it looks darn good. <laughs> yep. And uh, so the various iterations that are compressed um, and which go for streaming and things like that. So the whole package of those things really fits depending upon the format of the movie in like 30 or 40 terabytes. And uh, you know, with LTO eight, these days where you have, and, and I exclusively use the metrics of concerning with concerning LTFS. I don't refer to the, the uh, compressed 
storage on a tape. I just referred to the, the uncompressed the storage yeah. which with LTFS, which is to say it hovers around 11 terabytes on an LTO8 cartridge. And so you get you get three or four of those cartridges and you make four, three or four of the sets of them and Bob's your uncle. And then, of course, you know, you I know that. You spread them to so the winds. You spread them to the winds. <laughs> and then, you know, as, as of my, my talks in 2017 uh, that you, you were referring to that you had seen, um, I was very uh, glib is the only word about, you know, the use of clouds because I wanted to, as I said, then wanted to channel my inner Charlton Heston and hold them in my cold, dead hands. Um, now, the fact of the matter is I still want to hold them in my cold, dead hands, geographically separated hands. But um, I do believe that the, the price the price of storage being what it is with both Amazon and Google's coldest, coldest tiers being approximately $1 per terabyte per month, um, <clears throat> that's a... Um, that's like right as we as us guys grew up with Mad Magazine on the cover. What does it say? Cheap, <laughs> you know. You can't you can't pass that up. That 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 is something that is. It's just too good yeah. to be true that it's you could a, put those kind of a... forty terabytes up there and pay forty bucks a month. Well, it's 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 another copy, but but it it, it has a different set of advantages that the ones we hold don't have. Number one is the migration is Amazon or Google's problem. It's not mine. Mm -hmm. Number two is I can get it from, I can get it or give it to anyone with a click of a keystroke. And number three, like if you go to Amazon, they have their, um, their zones. I'm forgetting. Availability zones. Availability zones. Thank you. Where if you go to one location, it's actually going to three separate buildings. I think they yeah. say. Oh, sorry. Regions and availability zones. Right? Regions and available. Yeah. Thank you. Reg the regions each has three availability zones. So you you're going to three Amazon facilities, um, within a hundred uh, kilometers of each other. So so you in a sense have three other copies in addition to however many sets you made. And uh, so, so again, you know, movies are a unique thing. There's something as far as data is concerned is that when you finish a movie, it's not changing. You've set it in stone and put it aside. If you want to change it later, you restore it, make those changes and do the, and rinse and repeat. But it's, it's, uh, it's different than, uh, than most forms of digital archiving. It's I really about archiving. Oh, God yeah. Well, I was just, I was, I was, I think George Lucas would disagree with his, uh, recent statement the uh movies don't change or whatever like <laughs> oh yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're my movies i shall change them when i want to <laughs> but it's interesting though you bring up this point about using cloud because i read some of your chapters right and curtis and you and i had chatted before this meeting and it seems like there's so much pushback from the movie industry to look at cloud Right. Like you were talking at the beginning of the podcast, right? Everyone still wants to go or the motion picture industry recommends going to tape or starting to film, right? As their archive media. And so telling people, no, public cloud, it's okay to store your data. Kind of reminds me maybe like four years ago in enterprises where most enterprises did not trust storing their data in the cloud, right? Public cloud, they'd be like, no, 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 I don't trust the public cloud. Running my workloads in the public cloud, you're bonkers. Right. But now it's kind of become the accepted norm. Right. 
And in fact, it's even more than that. It's if you're spinning up a new workload, it's like, unless you have a good reason for why it must stay on premises, by default, it should be running in the cloud. Yeah, it's definitely well, I don't know about if you're, refer- if you're referring to while you're making the movie as opposed to when you when you have finished the movie, because those are two yeah, separate. I've, yeah, I was referring to more about the when you finished a movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I, and the thing is, is that you, you, you know, my, my understanding and you gentlemen can correct me on this is that all the major cloud companies offer you such that you can, you can put it up there and you can have it encrypted where you can hold the key. And if they, if you lose the key, it's bye-bye, yep. it's gone. Yep. And so, I mean, this is, this is a far sight different than, um, the, the famous Sony hack of 2014, where they was it was like, uh, you know, Manny Mo and Jack running a, a you know a, a server operation, and that someone could not only steal stuff but also trash the servers as what happened. You know, that was that's I don't think that's going to happen. It, I, I, well, I, I would yeah. be con- I yeah, I'd worry about that because that does actually happen in the public cloud if you're not careful, right? If you don't secure your accounts, if you don't secure, if you don't know what you're doing. How, how do you, how do you mean? Well, if you don't, I mean, there are, there are best practices. The, the public cloud, uh, you know, any more than uh, film is not magic, right? The, the, uh, exporting your, your finished film to three separate, you know, uh, YCM uh, negatives is not magic. If it catches fire, it's, it still catches fire, right? So the cloud, the public cloud <clears throat> still allows you to screw up, right? You can still, Create, for example, uh, you know, an S3. The, the the most common thing historically has been uh, to have an op- what's called an open bucket, meaning a bucket that anyone a bucket is like a folder, right? And it's a bucket that anyone can read, and that's the most common thing that you 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 saw for a long time. I think that has calmed down somewhat because for example AWS it 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 has made it so that it's really hard to do that it used to be the default but VMs you know machines servers that run in the cloud um they're just like servers that run in the data center you can configure them insecurely if you want to and we we've gotten a lot better it's gotten a lot easier i think to have proper security but <clears throat> i mean i i it, you know, you look at the number of ransomware attacks that are happening right now and p- putting something in the cloud doesn't make it automatically impervious to ransomware attack, right? It just, you just protect it differently if it's in the cloud. Does that make sense, Larry? Yeah. And it, I think that the key difference is, is that um, if your movie has been shown theatrically around the world, been available as a UHD, H, high dynamic range disc, is available on Netflix, that you have you pretty much monetize it as much as you can. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, uh, and I'll, I'll tie this into a thought about the Library of Congress, when that happens, you know they it's like they can't. That's like someone giving me ransomware saying, "I have your, uh, you know, Paul McCartney. I've got a copy of Sgt. Pepper's on CD. I'm going to hold it <laughs> ransom." It's like good luck, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and uh, it's sort of the same thing here. It's like there's nothing. All they can do is say, "I have a 4K image sequence of this movie," but you know, if if they try to, you know, so it's it's nothing that they can really hold a threat over you like right, can right, another right but ransomware was just one example but i know there have been companies like code spaces that have gone out of business when someone goes and deletes their bucket deletes their instances deletes all their backups 
right? Yeah. And I think that's where, like you said, Larry, backing or archiving to the cloud is just or is complementary to what you had recommended of still keeping those copies on tape, right? That you could hold in your hands, right? Yes. The cloud so is what, yet another copy with some advantages, different advantages than what you. So what, one thing that you mentioned in your talk that I don't think you've touched on here is, so uh, I, I think our audience primarily understands the digital side of things. We're, we're sold. We're sold on the cloud. We're sold on, uh, well, I'm probably more sold on tape maybe than our average listener. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm i the most pro-tape guy at a no-tape company. Yeah, I, I'm probably the most pro-tape guy at a no-tape company. But we understand that side of things. What we might not understand, and and, and apparently the, the Academy didn't understand, is, well, what's the problem with what they're suggesting, right? When you, when you move... When you transfer this digital copy out to film, does that create a, doesn't that create additional problems? You you talked a little bit about the color space and stuff last time, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just that it's going to cost much much more. They they they, they put a, a ridiculous cost of I forget what it is. I think if my memory serves correctly, twelve thousand dollars a terabyte per year to maintain a digital archive, which is just insane. Um, and you know the uh, as a, the well known uh, audio uh, engineer George Massenberg once famously said, the only thing you know about an analog, the only thing that's sure about an analog copy of a digital master is that it is imperfect, <laughs> and mm. and that's what we're talking about here. It's just how many degrees of imperfection and how much more cost is it going to be? I, I do need to s stop here and and say that all the motion picture companies you know, these days have uh, some going from really insanely careful to very careful to moderately careful ways of archiving stuff digitally. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the movie industry doesn't do it. So I want to, maybe I should have said this earlier in case someone hears this and turns it off, go, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. They all do it. Mm -hmm. The key thing is, is that they still feel like they have to bow down and pay homage to film with I, which I basically, you know, flip my nose at. I mean, I, I respect it for the hundred years. It was the unquestioned place thing that you could, uh, and it was a one-stop shopping. You shot on it, you finished on it and you archived on it. Well, the, you know, yeah, there, the, but there's a, there's another problem that you touched on in your talk. Also like the, the, the like for example, the longevity of Kodak. Uh, and, and oh, other companies yeah. and the technology and the knowledge, right? The uh, that that may not be around anymore uh, than than something else. Yeah, I mean, y you can say, you know, as a follow up to, to the glib comment that you can shine a flashlight through it. It's like, well, you know, how long are professional film scanners going to be made they're they're very actively made now because we have 100 years of motion pictures to digitize but let's say in 100 years what's going to happen and uh so you're saying that you could take that film scan it back and get to where we were in 2021 and that that's better you know, let's look at the triangle of quality. Is that better? Is it cheaper? Is it faster? Well, fast is not an issue. In 100 years, is it better or cheaper 
then doing it digitally, the answer is it's decidedly loses on both accounts. It's a migration that th- th- they don't acknowledge that, but, that you have to migrate it again in the future. But playing devil's advocate, couldn't you say the exact same thing about tape? <laughs> in a hundred years, tape is going to be less used, that people may be looking at other technologies, that it could become very difficult to find tape drives. Like I know you mentioned you have your two Macs plus your two tape drives at home, so you could do or wherever it is to do your restores from your LTO3 tapes. Well, let me just jump in and answer that because, you know, it's a problem that we, it's a, I don't know what the the logical fallacy thing to use here is, but it, it, no, what I'm saying is, yeah, it's a concern that we hear a lot and and here's, and and Larry's already touched on it. And that is you can easily migrate digital media, right? So he's got a bunch of, I'm a little surprised he's got some DLT3 sitting around there. Right. Um, but if, if he was concerned about those DLT threes, he could with with a flick of a button easily migrate them over to LTO eight or nine. Right. He could easily do that. And in 10 years, I don't know. I don't know what the time 10 years when they you know, one of the things I've seen them they're talking about is is uh, writing to crystal. Right. If, if we get some sort of inert media at some point, we will get something. We will get an inert media flashes in it. Um, DNA you know, flash, also, I heard. Yeah, DNA is one. Um, but the, the one that I've seen that I like the best is the writing to crystal. At some point, there will be some long-term archive medium that isn't tape, that's affordable, reliable, and and all of those things. And then we can push one button, move all the tapes that we've been great. keeping over to that, and we will lose. And this is the key thing: we will lose nothing in the process. What Larry's talking about is that the, the, the process that the, the academy is holding up as a golden standard, it's crappy in that you do, <laughs> you do, a, you do a lossful com, uh, conversion from digital to film, and then you have to do another lossful conversion back from film to digital to, to, to edit it in, you know, when you want to do the, the, uh, the director's cut of ABC film. Is that, is that summarize? Is that, what do you think of well, that? Yeah, Larry? I, I, yeah, I I, I think I think that's a good point. But also, I think another key thing is that um, what what I was talking about about my my Mac ninety six hundreds from nineteen ninety seven is that was you know thirteen years into 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 the world of Macs in twenty twenty one right now. You know, we don't, I mean, I, I just recently pulled that machine out of storage and we were sitting there like apes looking at the, uh, <laughs> the connectors going, where do we plug in the mouse? I had to go on eBay to get a mouse with the ADB connector, you know, <laughs> compare and contrast that to today where you have that beautiful little Thunderbolt 3 slash USB-C connector, which is standard across the world. And there's tens of millions of keyboards that that use it. Work. So yeah. that's one thing to check off the list. The other thing is that is that my is that what I was doing was very specifically to Mac, the software, the Mezzo archiver software, and it was an obsolete format, very obsolete format. Whereas today, LTFS and LTO8 are are not that you know if we if we if we if we uh, put those in a vault um then i mean i don't you you guys might know the figures better than i but can we guess that there will be before ltl9 comes in whenever it does there will be maybe hundreds of thousands of those decks in the world 
um, I don't think in 10 years you're going to have a problem. I don't think in 20 years you're going to have a problem. No, I don't think I so really either. Don't. Yeah. And, and by the way, the only reason LTO nine is not out is because of the pandemic. It was, uh, it was delayed due to that. <clears throat> so it'll be out like any day now. Um, but the, um, what was I thinking here? Yeah. Just this idea that, uh, I, I think Larry, I think you touched on something and that is that the more you can use consumer technology as part of the solution, right? We're, uh, so, mm -hmm. um, I mean, LTO is not a consumer <clears throat> technology and, and that's not one of them, but the ways in which they connect are consumer technology, as you talked about, uh, um, yeah, uh, not lightning, um, Thunderbolt, right. Thunderbolt, um, yeah. And, um, the, the, yeah, the, I, I just think that the, the whole point of the whole point with digital and you, you talked about this in your talk where you talked about, there was a company, it was digital something, a company whose job it is to migrate for you. And that, like they, oh, they, yeah. they would copy yeah. it over, <laughs> they would verify it. Yeah. You know, what, 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 tell me about that. Yes. Yeah. G give a shout out. You definitely should have my, my buddy, Linda Tadich, who runs the company Digital Bedrock in Los Angeles. And Linda has a company. It's, it's a very simple premise. Uh, and basically you get her the hard drives you, you, you copy from your server or wherever your master elements are. And you put the checksums, whatever that of whatever flavor on that and then you copy them to drives as she provides she takes those drives scrubs them make sure there's no viruses then she puts them onto her server and then she compares what's on her server to what your checksums were and when that matches she then is creating new sha 512 checksums uh and then you know she uh will then make X number of copies for you and she will keep the, she doesn't keep it online as in, as in on uh, the server, but she pulls the tapes out every so often and does a verification of one of the sets. She normally does two or three minimum of two normally does three sets. Again, I'm crazy for our projects. We do four, you know, but, uh, but her, her company is really the very elegant solution. I mean, I think, uh, you know, any, anybody who's doing any robust industrial strength stuff for a motion picture, any sort of, uh, theatrical motion picture, uh, can look to her company and there are a few others like it in Los Angeles, but, uh, she has a very specific solution. Other companies that, that are in that field, um, uh, they more morph into the filmmaking side, which can be very useful. Linda is just, you know, Jack Webb, just a data ma'am. You know, he, she's just, she just wants to get your files. There are other companies that are a little more savvy with respect to, you know, the color spaces you're dealing with and things like that. But she does do a digital obsolescence check, um, which basically notes, well, you have so many files of this type of file format and therefore, you should be worried about these, so and so and so forth. Um, as a, in the main, that's not an issue with movies, though, because the three major imaging files, which are, say, DPX, OpenEXR, and TIFF, are both very open standards, very universal, and have there's no worry about them. Sound is broadcast wave, you know, one and done, no problem there. Um, then there's ProRes files, which technically is owned by Apple, but 
uh, I'm not too worried about that. So, but as you were saying a second ago, Curtis, that that the issue of of consumer stuff, other world computing now sells a um, an LTO eight deck for about forty five hundred dollars that connects via Thunderbolt, hmm. and you know. I understand when people sort of get, you know, ooh, that's scary, but it really isn't that scary. You know, the biggest problem with LTFS I found is just getting the damn thing running. Once you get the drivers going, it's very good. I mean, we use retrospect throughout the years. I know archivally, that's not a good thing to do. But insofar as using and doing an incremental backup every day, it works like a charm. I think you just made up a word archivally, Larry. What did I say? You said archivally. I don't think that's a word. Oh God! Is, is that is that a? <laughs> oh God! Oh, you heard God. it here first. By the way, I don't think that I don't think the persona got the Jack Webb reference, but that's okay. He's he's a little <laughs> baby. That what what was that? Was that Dragnet? What was that? Yes. Yeah, persona that Jack Webb. You know, uh, Joe, Joe Friday on on you know you know he'd go and investigate a scene mm. and and the person at the scene the the presumed witness would be talking and he go just a fax ma'am just a fax ma'am <laughs> that was that was a very common very common line um yeah. no, by the way uh, so what was the name of that company digital D- digital bedrock in digital los angeles bedrock. So i think it's digitalbedrock.com so you really should have my pal linda yeah, on yeah we'll, yeah we'll have you we'll have you hook us up with that yeah yeah um, you know, what, what, one, one point that I want to make and to, to further allude to another movie is, um, in, uh, that classic Dr. Strangelove where, um, being informed that, uh, after he tells the president that, uh, that, uh, Buck Turgidson played by George C. Scott in a war room says, I'm not saying we won't get our hair must, but it's 10 to 20 million tops depending upon the breaks. Um, and then the president Merkin Muffley calls him out on it and he goes, <clears throat> well, it looks like the human element has failed us here. <laughs> um, and indeed, that's the biggest problem with digital archiving for movies is nothing to do with the reliability of either clouds or LTO tape. It's got nothing to do with that. That's not an issue, no matter what, 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 what people say or, well, they change LTO my, you have to migrate it because LTO changes every two years, which is complete bullshit. Right. Um, but um, the biggest problem is organizing everything and taking an approach. Uh, and I'm and I'm very fastidious with Linda. I give her an Excel grid that that shows how the tapes are broken out, what's on each tape, the size of each element, what the file naming uh, convention is. Uh, the file naming convention is for, for that thing. And, uh, and then within, then, so, and there's multiple, multiple readme files. There's one at the top, very top of each tape archive, uh, every SIP uh, uh, submission information packet that says, read this before doing anything else. And that's the type of stuff that is, that is crucial in, in, in all this stuff working, you know, is to leave breadcrumbs to tell people to basically assume that no one who follows you in the future is going to be clairvoyant. It reminds me of Curtis and his DR stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Doing a yeah. test run where it's like, oh, the person who actually built it is dead. So now what happens? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And can they make yeah. it through? <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about 
your upcoming book, where you are, things like that. Right now, the book, again, titled Solving the Digital Dilemma, because of my day job, uh, is it's it's being finished will take me another six months or so. And I'm anticipating that I will be able to get books in people's hands sometime spring of uh, 2022. Um, it, it, it's it's uh, it's sort of will mean many things to many people. The first part of it is strictly a overview of motion picture archiving, including the, the, the Academy's paper. The second part is a deep dive into what makes digital archiving work. Mm. Uh, and I go into as the chapters you guys read about, you know, why are clouds reliable? Why is LTO reliable? And so on and so forth. The third part is a is a case study of the movie Logan Lucky, mm. Steven Soderbergh's film from 2017 that that we worked on, and how we did that. And then the fourth part of the book is I don't want to call it a workbook, but it's basically a step by step process in in how to archive your movie. It's mm. it's finished with the history and context. It basically will be. Excel sheets people can download that you could type in the name of your movie, the the camel case short title of your movie, how long is it, what resolution you're at, and it will then auto-populate into various fields telling you how big these things are. And then you choose, well, I'm going to need this, 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 and this. And, uh, you know, I need these for festivals. I need this for my, you know, so on and so forth. So it's in four sections that will hopefully appeal to anybody who has, you know, is either a filmmaker or someone interested in uh, in film history. And then, of course, there is stuff. I do have some many comments about Christopher Nolan in it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I think is important for this archive process, however you do it, is that it needs to be very simple for somebody to do. And I think one of the reasons for that is something that you alluded to in your talk, which was the fact that once you've actually got the movie in the can, you want to walk away, <laughs> right? You said something about this. Right, right. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and that, that that goes towards what I said a second ago about the human element, is that when people finish a movie, they want to, they just, all they can know is that it's in a theater, they got it to Netflix, they can go home and the specific steps of noting what you did in your thought processes, um, they just don't see the need for them. And uh, so it, the, the, those, those are elements where, again, referring to the book, I'll give a, a whole boatload of templates for people to use and modify. And I'm not in that fourth chapter, fourth, fourth section, implying you have to do it this right. way. But I'm just saying is this is the smorgasbord of things that are available to you. And I want to touch on something I, I alluded to a, a few minutes ago, and that is um, the Library of Congress. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's almost like a, a third way you can archive your movie outside of any LTO tapes you have in your possession or putting stuff in the cloud. And if you to submit a movie for, for copyright protection these days, all you have to give them is just a standard definition DVD, which is makes my blood shiver. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's, that's all that's legally meets the requirements. It proves that what there was a movie mm -hmm. called, you know, tenant or whatever. Um, and, uh, but they can and will accept, uh, if you gave them a DCP, the digital cinema packages and theaters, if it's unencrypted, 
and a high dynamic range ProRes file and so on and so forth, they will store that away. Mm. And, uh, you know, in 94 years, if you make a movie today, 94 years, you and your ancestors, you and your, most of the people you care about are going to be dead. Um, the, your ability to monetize it is pretty much gone. And even more to the point, you've lost copyright protection after 94 years. And so, you know, if you're Warner Brothers, if you're one of the big five, Warners, um, Disney, Sony, Paramount, um, Netflix, Amazon, so on and so forth. If you're one of those big companies, we they probably will still be around. But if you're not them and you own the movie, uh, I just strongly recommend that people get these things to the Library of Congress because they have a really sharp group of people in their IT department uh, in uh, Culpeper, Virginia. It's built on the side of a side of a mountain of sorts, um, which used to be the place where the Federal Reserve money was kept post-nuclear war. And uh, David Woodley Packard, the son of the Packard of founding, of, founded Hewlett Packard, uh, has spent, I don't know if you guys know this, approximately a half a billion dollars helping two archiving facilities be built, one in Santa Clarita, that is where the UCLA Film and Television Archive is, and one in Culpeper, Virginia. Um, and so, but back to the Library of Congress in Virginia, they have a really sharp group of people there. And um, they, you know, I, I, I think if you want to make sure that something is not just around in 100 years, but is viewable, because let's say your LTOA tape is, it can be played in a hundred years. Well, how are you going to show it to people? <laughs> but if, uh, you know, if it's there, so that's something that's free to people. I never knew that. And that's pretty I awesome. I really don't, I don't know why anybody wouldn't do it. You know, you don't, you don't need it for copyright um, submission, um, but you can do it as a gift to the Library of Congress when you submit it for copyright protection. Nice. I like that idea. Oh. Uh, so, all right. Well, I, I, I think we should, I think we're, we should round out things here. Uh, Larry, I hope, and, and anything I could do to help you get that book, uh, out to print, uh, happy to do that. And, uh, I, I'm, you know, I of all people know what it's like to finally, uh, to finally ship a book. <laughs> and I want to thank you for your help yeah, and for your help and, and getting my most recent, by the way, for those of you that don't know, uh, I just released Modern Data Protection uh, with O'Reilly, and uh, listeners to this podcast can get 35% off by using the code MDP35 uh, if you order from O'Reilly.com. So uh, with that, uh, Larry, uh, this has been fun. We could talk about you know movies and digital and swap movie quotes all I think all day he wants long. another podcast where that's all he talks about, actually. <laughs> it's just movies and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, we we could have one where he and I just talk about our our shared love for Christopher Nolan. I can't hear you. What'd yeah. you say? I'm deaf. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, th thanks so much, Larry, for coming on, gentlemen. Thank you. This was this was an honor, and uh, uh, I hope to be speaking with you guys sooner than later. And uh, Persona, I, I, I'm going to count on you for that travel advice coming up here in the coming uh, 10 days. You know how to get a hold of me, Curtis. Yeah, okay. You know how to get a hold of me. All right. So, <laughs> yeah. And thank you, Larry. It's 
definitely entertaining and fun learning about movies. And I know I don't know all of the terminology and I don't watch as many movies as Curtis, but it was fun. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. And thanks to the listener. And remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. To pay your backup system isn't worth a spade. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead, it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space. Emails from you remind me of when they keep me thinking that we could restore it all. Emails from you, they leave me breathless. I can't It'll be completely done Maybe one day